11 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, we now take a look at the big stories in the marketplace on uh, this Thursday. And joining me to take a look at these is Bright Kumar, who's an analyst at Vestact Asset Management. Mbulaz, Gunjan Baf. Sawana, Sawana, Ayabonga. Ugaase Baf. I'm good, man. I'm good. Let's start off there, I guess, in the shopping malls and uh, in many of the retail outlets. Uh, retail sales data are showing a surge in the month of April. But, uh, yeah, still disappointing if we think about it in the context of pre-2020 uh, trends. So, of course, um, you know, at face value, you say, you know, sales, retail sales in South Africa, you know, were up 95.8% for the month of April. Uh, but if you look at what analysts, you know, economic analysts were expecting was, you know, 99.7% surge. These numbers sound wild, but actually if you double-click onto those numbers, you remove COVID numbers in there from last year, what we call seasonality. Um, and obviously look at these numbers on a life-for-life basis, you see that we've decreased by 0.8% um, in April 2021. So not so good uh, mm. when you remove seasonality out of the things. But I mean, this makes sense because... Uh, I know these numbers are a little bit delayed. If you look at, uh, for example, how uh, retail, uh, you know, clothing retailers specifically, uh, how they performed, uh, you know, um, some of them, I think it's a six month ending up until April and some are actually ending in March. Uh, you're seeing that all of them actually saw their revenues go backwards and average of between eight and 12%, depending, you know, who, who you're choosing, you know, with the exception of Mr. Price, uh, coming in there, you know, showing stability, which, you know, sort of, you know, anecdotally wants me to say that uh, the 15 million South Africans that are employed are actually shopping down as compared to shopping in the likes of, you know, Woolies uh, and my favorite, uh, you know, the Fushini group, uh, the oh, are, are those your which I don't understand why they're still around. But Are those your uh, favorites? What do you like about them? No, no, I like the, the Fushini group because they've shown that they're very resilient in terms of, you know, being consistent in keeping up with global trends, you know, fashion trends specifically. Their, their buyers are second to none. Um, you know, you see a style on TV two weeks later, it's, you know, at your closest TFG, right, whether you're male or female. And this is the reason why things like, you know, Woolworths haven't been able to, to compete with fashion. Uh, if you're a fashion house, you need people who understand the taste of individuals and the taste of fast-moving fashion. And uh, the Fashion Group has actually nailed it spot on. And they've actually missed a lot of these uh, seasonality blunders, like, you know, longer summers, for example, that you've experienced in, in South Africa. Nice. But, but I mean, what, what do you make of the Is this durable goods uh, that people are sort of mostly spending on or where people are suggesting there's some pent-up uh, demand or just, I guess, the retail sector in general? No, so look, uh, this is a good exo- a good question, actually, because, you know, the biggest winners uh, during lockdown, you know, you come home, you sit down, you start seeing uh, tears in your house, and obviously hardware is going to go up there. Uh, textiles is going to benefit from some of that. Uh, paint and glass, you know, those are the, the you know, the things that have been surging. Uh, household furniture, appliances and equipment, you know, everything you need to get ready, basically, for your study right mm. uh, some of the surprising ones was actually clothing and footwear and leather goods so, so a few you, of those people, people who are buying leather jackets fisheries. what's happening what's happening yeah yeah no i'm saying it's I'm, I'm again this is an anecdotal point that i'm going to make sure it's it's most likely you know the few you know winners that we've seen 
um, who have taken advantage of this great reset. And obviously now they're buying mm. their loved ones some leather goods, you know, expensive footwear and clothing. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen those leather? Leather, I'm a trade unionist. It's probably, I guess, they're also contributing to some of that demand. <laughs> um, but Mbulazi, I mean, let's shift away from this particular one. I'm, I'm interested in the story that's coming out of uh, Orion Minerals. And um, I think about this certainly alongside the, the very horrific story out in Richards Bay. And I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago. But it seems here we're going back to the same issue of contests around free, prior, and informed consent of communities uh, before mi- mining licenses or mining operations resume in certain places. And uh, a lot of allegations here from the community that, you know, this consultation process was a tick box exercise. The community, um, only 5% of it was consulted. Um, and it's certainly going to be, I guess, a big issue as we think about the role of uh, the mining sector broadly uh, within the economic recovery. Look, in an ideal world, you want, uh, you know, a community that lives around those shafts, obviously, to benefit from whatever is happening around there. Mm. Um, You know, you'd expect, for example, not just, uh, you know, blue-collar workers be the ones, you know, being taken from the community, but you just want a big chunk of the supply chain to come from those communities to actually boost the economic activity in those communities. That's at least how I think about it as an individual, right? This is back to localism, how it has happened for many years in South Africa until somewhere mid-2005, 2006, when we thought, uh, you know, specialization is the way to go. And, and obviously, a lot of people lost their jobs in the process, and those jobs are still, you know, not found. Um, because, uh, you know, a lot of these businesses have been too focused about, you know, cutting down costs, and not actually improving the communities that they operate in. Which is a sad story because I think I've, t- I've shared this story with you in this show that uh, when I worked at a factory, it, it, you know, in, in um, part of Stoom, sorry, uh, you know, a lot of these community individuals have benefited from that factory because some of them were able to actually take themselves to school or the company itself has helped them go through school, get, you know, degrees and become engineers in these factories and obviously increase the overall, uh, you know, productivity of those factories in return. So, but somehow that, that has been lost in translations and obviously a few, you know, friends and families have benefited from these big contracts that happened in these communities. And this is bad. And this is why South Africa is where it's at today. And this, uh, you know, population of Prisca, um, you know, found itself where it is. But with regards to the actual uh, survey that was done, 5% of the community, mm. I would easily argue that is not a true reflection of the, you know, the community's opinion or, you know, the, uh, how they feel about what's mm. going to happen, etc. So maybe... Is there a culture here, Mbulaz? I mean, from, from just what you're suggesting, is there a culture of, you know, uh, people sharing insights about how best to jippo the system, go around it exactly. in terms of the consultations? I mean, you know, you'd be shocked how many people are, are appointed as like community liaison type roles, especially people that are seen as sort of popular at a community level. And it seems there's a script that many people who, I guess, when they're wanting to apply for a mining license are adopting, that effectively doesn't amount to meaningful consent or meaningful consultation of the community. It, it never amounts to, you know, meaningful consultation. But the point I wanted to make um, is exactly what you're asking me about. The fact that you can easily bribe 5% of the community and wouldn't take that much amount of money. And that's the sad truth. 
but sometimes doing things right with the right you know intentions actually yields long-term value for what you know they're trying to extract in the ground for example here we're talking about uh, you know copper uh, zinc and you know all these new well they're not so new commodities but they're very uh, you know um important to you know evs for example or uh, you know battery technology which is now seen as green so these communities could be you know in the forefront of leading such movements but with this tick-box exercise type of approach to, you know, um, doing business with individuals, mm. it's not going to end well. Eish. Yeah, we're going to be following that uh, particular story quite closely here on Metro FM Talk and even the one coming out of uh, Richards Bay, uh, you know. And uh, and we know many well. lives have been lost there. Yeah, hey, brah, in that one. I mean, yes. and you know, I, I guess it's not unique to Richards Bay. I mean, if you go to Kolobi and the same thing, uh, if you go to uh, the West Coast here in South Africa, same contests and issues at play. Um, and I thought, you know, by now we would have found a way to make sure that uh, at least there's better monitoring uh, of some of the obligations that come with these licenses in terms of meaningful consultation so that it doesn't always have to go to the courts. I mean, yeah, surely, I mean yeah, surely the department should be saying, well, there's certain principles that should underpin your consultation and we have enforcement and monitoring capability you know, to make sure that you guys are able to go through that in a meaningful manner? No, I think my biggest issue with watchdog is the fact that they can also be brought here in South Africa. Yeah, inshallah. But, mm. And the bigger issue is that they're also, you know, tick box individuals. They're not incentivized to do what's best for the community yeah, yeah. and the company together as a symbiotic relationship. They're just there. I mean, you've seen the guys that are like basically zombie. They get out of home. They walk to their offices, tick boxes, and, you know, make sure they don't expose themselves to, to, to a lot of risk and then go back home and come back, we do exactly what they've done. And that's not good enough. Um, it's not a meaningful life if you ask me if all you do is just tick boxes yeah. all day. Ish, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Exactly. Yeah, Mbulaz, were you part of this call? Uh, earlier on today, uh, Bloomberg, Citibank, uh, APSA Group and the JSE, where the finance minister was addressing uh, investors. Were you part of that call? Because Ndiyaz is the investor, isn't I was part of the call that happened in December in 2017 and 2018, not this one, unfortunately. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. You went in the tent this time around. Well... No, no the bigger issue here mm. um, was that, you know, in, in my office at least, there was only two of us. The other, you know, the other partners were actually out taking some time out. That, that's what deserved. Sure, sure. Self-care. Yeah. Uh, look, my brother, I mean, this one I, find, I found quite interesting, um, Bulaz, because in a way, I mean, it was an assurance to some in the investor community on two particular elements. Issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one is, you know, saying that, hey, we're going to hold the line in terms of our negotiating position. And in terms of our, uh, you know, decision to cancel the last leg of the last agreement with public sector workers. Um, and we are not going to shift, you know, from any agreement that might break the fiscal ceiling that the government has placed in place. Or the expenditure ceiling, if I must put it that way. Because not, when you say fiscal, it could mean so many other things. Yeah, um, no, no. Fiscal includes us in the market. Yes, yes <laughs> expenditure ceiling. So, so, so that's the one. The other one, and I'd love to hear your views on both of these. Is this view and, uh, you know, a finance minister saying here, uh, well, you know what, I, I'm not a fan of the basic income grant. Yes, one of my colleagues might be bringing it before cabinet, but I prefer the employment incentive. And uh, 
must say, I mean, the Youth Employment Tax Incentive, um, just judging by the mood of young people, doesn't give one a sense that it's been a spectacular success by any stretch of the imagination. So so I'm, I'm interested, Bulazi, to hear your perspective on these two issues uh, as somebody who is in the marketplace, uh, because Ashwara Nina in this message. Look, um, this is a very tough one, right? But they're also, they were also assuring you as a... As a taxpayer, uh, sure. As, not as a taxpayer, as a shareholder of FA Inc., um, ah, which is the paper we both shares, hold, by what, the way. What shares are those? What paper? The Mandela one? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> sure. So uh, let's talk about the, you know, the, the, the salary increases that have been frozen for three months. I think that's reassuring for anyone who wants to uh, participate in, 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 you know, helping this economy uh, get off the ground. Mm. Uh, especially, you know, I always talk about foreign di- direct investments because those, those are the people that need a lot of reassurance. Sure. And obviously the big SA Inc. businesses now, you know, private businesses that we're talking about that employ, I think, uh, from the list of space, for example, I think like Bidvest, you know, employs close to 300,000 individuals uh, alone, for example. So those are the kind of people uh, that have, you know, put real money and bet on SA Inc. recovering. And then obviously they need reassurance for from... Uh, you know, the public sector so to say, or at least the government to say, look, we are doing our part to ensure that, you know, we have a common goal that we are striving towards. Mm. And, we, you know, we're not, we're not shirking our responsibility. Sure, sure. So sure. the fact that 1.3 million government workers are not going to be getting, you know, these salary increases that they're seeking uh, is, is part of that. Whether it's, you know, on a philosophical level, right or wrong, that's a conversation we can, you know, have a two-hour podcast together. You yeah, and I. yeah, I know for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and it, with regards to, you know, for example, some of the unions that, you know, the the demands they want in terms of those increases. We're talking about inflation plus three point three percent. So inflation plus four percent. Mm, it's around uh, seven, eh? Yeah, yeah no, 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 I'm just let go of the exact amounts, right? And just take the fact that. Anything above inflation by 4% is a winning trade every single time. I would bet on it until I go broke, right? Which is not possible because I'll never go broke. I'll always be beating inflation by 4%. Uh, it's, it, I don't know. It's a, I don't know which world some of uh, you know, our friends and families live in. Because in South Africa, this is you know, close to impossible. I can't even get this in the market in the JSC, for example. I have to work extremely hard to get this. But because I'm a government worker, I'm entitled to this. I think the incentive part of things uh, or the conversation comes back to this, that we need to get rid of this entitlement, um, regardless of where we work, whether it's public or private, and actually focus on the incentive, the right incentive to actually force me to get off my bed every every morning or strive towards something that actually is of value. And then when I do reach those goals, I actually do make a, Mm. a, a big payout. Um, you so, know, from so Bulazi, my I mean, efforts. Otherwise, it's, yeah, again, I I'm going to play ultra, ultra conservative, yeah. tick boxes, be on the edges sure. and make sure I don't go through the grades. And, and, and that's terrible. No one wins in, the, in, in that situation. And I do think you're right. I mean, if, if we think about the, the incentive structure within the public service broadly, I think we can agree. Um, we can also agree, for instance, on if you look at the public sector wage bill in total and the share that goes to those that are in frontline service functions vis-a-vis those that are sitting in offices 
playing political or policy roles, uh, there is a bit of a lopsided structure there. So I can agree with that. But what would you do? I mean, if you were a trade unionist, um, Bulaz, so put on, put on that hat there for a second. The last year of your collectively bargained agreement um, yeah. is effectively, you know, the, the employer pleads poverty. Um, and then you've got another three-year agreement that you must now negotiate. If I was a trade unionist, I would do what they did. The first would be no oh, more three I, years. I was about to say, yeah. No more three years. Let's negotiate year on year. And then yes. I would front load that third year of an uh, that third leg of that agreement that wasn't paid out into the next agreement. So here's the thing with um, me now as a trade unionist, mm. Kumalo. Sure, uh, comrade Kumal. Exactly. There's a principal agency <laughs> problem here, right? Yes, and I yes, know no, it, for, for sure. example, for sure. Like in this case, for example, I, I'm coming into the negotiation table with nothing to lose. Mm. So I'm going to shoot for the side and ensure that you know uh, I. I Wherever yeah, I fall, sure wherever I fall, at least. Yeah, yeah. That, that actually, I'm, 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 I want the best for them, right? Mm. And then I shoot for the stars. And if I do land, you know, somewhere close to the ground, but at least we would have gotten something. Yeah, what does that mean? Saying, uh, shoot for the moon, so that even if you fail, you land among the stars. That's yeah. what I was trying to go with, <laughs> but yeah. Thank you for having me. Sure. <laughs> to, to say, you know, no, for sure, that, for that's, sure. That, that's the issue with unionists. They... they they don't have a losing hand in this negotiation. The biggest loser here is the government at the end of the day mm. and us taxpayers who have to foot the bill. Yeah, hey. Just before I let you go, brother. Hey, this diamond find out in Botswana. Now, before we get to the diamond find, I, I, I think I was today years old when I found out that 90% of the export basket of Botswana is diamonds. Yes. Yo, is that not a... Yeah, it sounds risky, man. It sounds very... I mean, if there were to be a crash uh, of diamonds or people would find out that diamonds aren't as scarce as we made to believe, I mean, that could be catastrophic for, for Khabarun. Uh, that's, a, again, another, you know, podcast-worthy uh, conversation <laughs> between you and I. But they have actually been operating as a country for so long with the ebbs and flows of, uh, you know, diamond sales. So this wouldn't be new to them. I think that's the, the mm. easy answer. Mm. So, uh, you know, what is the long-winded answer? But the, the, the gigantic, uh, you know, 1,098-carat stone you're referring to, which was found in Botswana by TPS, uh, or the Botswana, whoever you want to call them, uh, is a, you know, it, it, it's a massive one. I mean, you know, you go to 1905, you've got the Kalanen Diamond, that was my, that that comes up top at number one, and then you got Lisedi Laruna, which comes up second. Which, funny enough, is also from Botswana. You know, we we are sitting on wrong land here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and number three potentially is gonna come, you know, from them. This obviously comes after the, the cherry blossom diamond we saw coming out of Japan, which is called. Saruka or Sarika mm. or, you know, whatever cherry blossom is in Japanese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's what we're kind of competing with here. But uh, it, it's quite interesting to see these things coming out of Africa. Mm. But not all is lost because Nambiti is holding it down for South Africa. We hope our brothers and sisters let's, there let's talk um, about him, are doing the Lord's work in terms of finding the biggest, let's, let's you know, high-quality diamond. Mulaz, how do we make sure that our people are Abanoqua? In that thing as a Because 
a lot of people are saying, no, well, these aren't diamonds. Uh, this is a, you know, a false alarm or whatever. And then Then we know what the next step is. We're going to see fences exactly. going up. We're going to see roads being graded uh, on the way to that particular discovery. Uh-uh. I don't know, man. So here's my advice as a gambler. Okay. Go dig as much diamonds as you can in Nambiti as a, you know, South African. Prospector. Uh. Exactly. And hold on to them tightly. Don't let go of them. Be the last one to let go of them because geologists are saying these are legit. Uh, you know, some naysayers, like you're saying, they're saying they're not legit. So I think holding out here is the only option. Just sit in your hands. Eish, and that time there's people mining. selling it for like 100 uh, and, rand. Yo. Yeah, and, and, and both, you know, go to YouTube. Learn how to, you know, polish these things. You know, how to find the quality. There's so many YouTube videos on this stuff. Sometimes I watch them myself. Mm. How are we going to cut, or we gonna cut those diamonds? You can't go on YouTube to learn how to how to like polish and cut a diamond. No, 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 no. You would be surprised how many people live in Stateville and have access to, you know, YouTube the same way you and I do. No, no, so, no. I'm saying the issue is not access to YouTube. The issue is access to cutting material. <laughs> <laughs> so if you allow the Okapiako when on some let me chop this thing up. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. When there's a need, right? There's always a solution. Sure, Maybe sure. Okapi for us. For the next six months is the solution. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And and I guess on a more serious note, Mbulazi, this does present an opportunity, and I hope uh, those in power are able to to think about this. At some stage, the we, I think we even had the the minister of uh, mineral energy, uh, minerals and energy here on the show, and I think it was after they'd given licenses to artisanal and small scale miners, um, what we often horribly call zamazamas in this country. We, they'd been given licenses. So these sort of small-scale licenses to, to go and operate and be able to at least have, you know, some investment going to them and some safety and protection and that kind of thing. This Something perfect, formalized. Yes, this is a perfect opportunity. You find you say, Mama, come together, create a structure or a co-op or even in your individual capacity will give you some type of license. I mean, the days of thinking that the licenses must only go to, to big minds are over. They're over. I mm. mean, we just we just spoke about the community right now that mm. you know holding back, which makes sense. Um, I think this is okay. Wait, let me start actually with the coach. You know, a friend of mine said sure. said you know the comrades are not sniffing that direction. They doubt that these are legit diamonds. Uh-huh. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear everyone in the studio is laughing, <laughs> but. This is also an opportunity for for the comrades to actually support, you know, these small communities again. Come on, guys, do something. Please, Makom. Please, please, please. Bulaz, as always, my brother, pleasure catching up with you, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you, thank you so much. Awesome stuff. That there was uh, Bright Kumalo, analyst at Vestak Asset Management, and I think uh, leaving us there with a message for our people, Lapim Nambi, it's all the way out in Ladysmith, uh, who are, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, creating their mini Kimberley out in uh, uh, Ladysmith there. Uh, continue to dig, continue to preserve. I was taking 300. Those in the know uh, are saying something is legit in that part of the world. Uh, and uh, also the message from Bulazi for Ama Comrade.